We greet each other in the name of the Lord this morning. It is a blessing to be gathered with you here and to be sharing with you again from the Word of God. It's been a while since we've been here to the Peak Congregation. We know for various reasons. <clears throat> Just thinking a little bit, uh, I wasn't sure what maybe Brother Elam was going to make some comments here this morning before I got up, but uh, I'll have to share this morning, Brother Elam has a way of shocking people. <clears throat> and I'll give you the little story. We had conference this week, and uh, I don't know, was it Thursday? Brother Elam comes around and invites us for dinner today. Well, that's nice because he said you're, you're to be preaching at the peak on Sunday, so you're invited for dinner. And I informed Brother Elam I wasn't aware I was to be preaching at the peak this morning. <clears throat> well, you don't detour Brother Elam, I found out. And he said, well, he said, we'll check the calendar. So he got his brother's calendar and pointed to where I was scheduled to be at the peak. And it was there. And uh, oversight on my part, when I went home, I looked things over and, yeah, it was on the paper, but it wasn't written on my calendar. So I was glad Brother Elam saved both of us the embarrassment this morning. For me for not being here and for him for having to preach. So I don't know how the Lord would have worked it all out, Brother Elam, but I'm sure I would have been notified <laughs> and still been here probably. So yes, we're glad to be here this morning. It's been a blessing, been encouraged uh, with the Sunday school and, and the, the singing. A question to you this morning. Do you like correction? Do you like correction? Do you like discipline? As you, were, as you were growing up as a child, did you, and I'm assuming you would have, but did you enjoy correction you received from your parents? I'm asking older people now. I'm not down to the children. <clears throat> But I think for all of us, we would remember back in time and when we were young, that discipline was something that we probably did not like. There was times that we probably was corrected for something that we needed to be corrected for. Maybe there was times we got corrected for something maybe we didn't really do. But nonetheless, did we like the correction? And now as we're older, we look back on those times. Do we see the profit that came out of the correction that we received? Now I'll let you all answer those questions. I won't ask for a response for that. But I wanted to look here this morning at Hebrews chapter 12, if you will turn there. And I've titled the message, Chastening of the Lord. 
And I will have to say that when uh, Brother Elam reminded me of my duty this morning, that there was a, a message going through my mind uh, that when he talk, spoke to me about the, this morning's message, well, uh, there I will have to say this message was, was on my heart and on my mind for whatever reason. And so I sought the Lord's direction and guidance in this, and as I prepared this, I had to think, well, I don't know what the Lord has, but I do know in the prayer that was prayed here this morning, said that our cups would be turned up and that we would hear the message. So I want you to hear the message this morning. Don't listen to the speaker, listen to the message. Because in this, I also find I'm preaching to myself. And so as we think of chastening, chastening of the Lord, uh, there's a number of there's scriptures here, and I want to read a few scriptures before I get into the main passage here. And uh, if you don't want to turn to it, I'll just read them. But as we go back to Psalm, back in the Psalms, and you know, we could go through the Psalms, and we could probably just pick the message out this morning just out of the book of Psalms and apply it to our lives here today and what the psalmist has to say. But what did he have to say about correction and uh, chastening of the Lord? Psalm 49, verse 12. It says, Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Now what is chastening? What is chastening? Well, I looked this word up in the Greek. And uh, the word chastening, chasten, uh, it, it, they pretty much all have the same idea. And that is to discipline is one. And that's what we think basically when we hear the word chasten. We think of discipline. But it also means to educate or to teach. And so we want to keep that in mind as we, we go through this message here this morning. And to chasten... Or to chastening is to educate, to teach, or to discipline. And so the psalmist says here, Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teaches him out of thy law. So that carries this thought here. The chastening is maybe a discipline, but it's also a teaching. So we can be learning. We know that chastening is an instruction. In Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3.11. <clears throat> Proverbs 3.11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary when thou art of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And we will see some more of that here in, in Hebrews as we read here in Hebrews this morning. And so there's some scripture from the Old Testament. And also one more comes from the book of Job. <clears throat> In Job 5.17. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. So whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He correcteth, he teaches, he instructs. And so we have that from the Old Testament. 
But then we can get another verse in the New Testament before we get to Hebrews from 1 Corinthians 11, 2, yeah, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 32. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-two. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So when we are corrected or we are chastened of the Lord... So I want us now to, to look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 13. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And remember we read some of these verses in the Old Testament. It's the cross-references there. For whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth, and scourges every son whom he receiveth. And if ye endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if, ye with, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we had had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we, shall we not such rather, much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? For they verily for a, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which be lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. So when we think of the chastening of the Lord and we think of the parental correction that we have received uh, in, our, in our lives, you know, the correlation that we can see here because he gives that throughout, throughout this passage, the, the correction, the instructions that uh, we received as, as children, and he makes this comparison and so I asked the question, you know, do we like correction? Did we like correction when we were children? And, you know, I think most of us would say, no, when that happened, we did not like it. We probably rebelled against it. And yet, did it bring its results? Did it bring about its results? You know, if you look at a family today... And if you look at a family that would not apply any discipline, what is that family like today? Now, I, don't, you know, I don't know if you know of anyone like that or not. <clears throat> but you know, as I was growing up, there was one family that, that we was around some. I actually went to school with the, with the boy. <clears throat> but I remember being at their home one time, and 
His dad corrected him for something. And it wasn't, it wasn't a harsh correction, what I remember. Just didn't let him do something. But when the dad would leave the room, the boy was, he was happy. He was up and around doing something. As soon as dad entered the room, the boy threw himself on the floor and he was throwing a fit. Because he didn't like the correction that he received. But when dad left the room, and it happened a couple times, and I witnessed this, and I was just a young fellow because that fellow was my age. So where is that fellow at today? I, I really don't know. I never kept track of him. But did the correction he received bring its end results? I'm not sure. But apparently that young fellow did not like the correction he received. But you know, here in the scripture, it speaks of the correction that the Lord gives to his children. And do we like when we are corrected by the Lord? And we need to understand maybe what I mean by that. But as we look at this, we have the account here starting with looking. Uh, the, it refers back to chapter 11 about wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easy beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so we can reference that back to chapter 11 and uh, the line of witnesses there that went before us. And if we would look at that and study that a little bit, do we see the, the work of the Lord in place throughout those that we would say in the chapter of faith, the faith chapter? But then we have Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be worried and faint in your minds. And it says, And ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And I think what we have here, we have an example set forth in Jesus. And no, I'm not saying that Jesus was set up and he had to endure the correction of the Father. Let's understand that is not what I am saying here this morning. Jesus did not have to endure the correction of the Father. But what we do see here, that Jesus was going to be going through things in his life that was not pleasant. That was not easy. And what does it say? It says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured these things. He endured these things. It's not a correction. But there was things that he was going through that he was willing to endure that had an eternal value for you and I this morning. And it says that we are to consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against him. And so I think that example is set forth. And when we think of the correction that we are to receive, that we would receive from God, <clears throat> how are we going to respond? Are we going to respond to correction in a way that says, I would rather not have had that correction? Or are we going to respond with that correction and say, Lord, what is in it for me? What can I learn from this?
Am I going to enter this to be able to understand what God has for me? And then in the end, what will it be for me? You know, as we look at, as, at discipline, as we look at correction in our own lives, and I think there was a response out here. I could see heads uh, nodding that, you know, we didn't like correction. But yet, maybe we can look back at it now and we see the value of it. We see that it had its effects. We know that it made a difference in our lives. That what if we would not have had parents that would loved us and disciplined us when they seen we needed it? And I think we see the same thing with God. We have a loving God. I believe we all agree with that this morning. Scripture says God is love. He is our loving Father. And there's sometimes that He needs to correct us the same way that our parents did. And so we go on in here and we see that, and he says, and ye have forgotten the exhortation. So he is speaking to the, to the Hebrews here, to the Jewish people here. He is saying, you forgot the exhortation that was spoken of. Well, the scripture that we read there. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Now I'll come back to that in a little bit. But you know, we, as, as we looked at our parents, and they disciplined us, you know, yes, we didn't like it. And maybe there's times that you might say, my parents didn't do enough. We wish maybe they would have disciplined me more. Have you ever had those thoughts? Did you ever wish that maybe dad would have just spanked me just a little bit more? Because, really, I didn't get enough. You know, none of us would say that, I don't think. But I will give you an example here this morning of, I believe, where discipline was not applied and the outcome could have been different than what it turned out to be. This is a personal example. And that's the best examples I can give. <clears throat> When I was the age of nine, I was with one of my parents in a store with my mom, and there was a toy I wanted. It's hanging there, showed her what it was, a little toy gun. I wanted it. No, you can't have it, you put it back. Well, what do you think this little nine-year-old boy did? This nine-year-old boy headed out the store with that little toy gun. I stole a little gun. Went to the car where Dad and the rest of the family were, and I said, look what Mom got me. That was fine. Mom wasn't happy when she came back to the car because she didn't know where I went. <clears throat> but you know, I never got disciplined for that. I did not receive any discipline for that. They didn't take the toy from me. And I wasn't corrected for stealing. But that doesn't mean that down the road the Lord didn't do the correction. That went with me even from the age of nine. That went with me into my teen years. That at the age of 19... 
after I was a Christian for a few years, that was still in my mind. Not as a, can I say as a pricking sin? But various times, under the sound of the gospel, there was something that I always kept saying. You remember that day? And yet, I was nine. What did that matter? But at the age of 19, I figured there ain't but one thing to do with this situation. And that's go back to that store, talk to the manager, and want to make restitution for what I had done 10 years earlier. And you know, I never think about it. Well, until I was preparing this message, I thought about it. But it was nothing that any more bothered me because the Lord, I think, corrected me in that area. That was you had something you needed to take care of to find peace. It's not that I was really disrupted with a lot of unrest about it, but there was still something that needed to be made right. And, uh, you know, even though the parents didn't do their job, the Holy Spirit did his. And so, yes... Correction was there. Discipline was there. And so I was glad for that. Yes, I can relate the story because, you know, it, it, it happened to me. And, you know, and I could think that, you know, without the Lord in my life, would that have been one step that I thought was easy to do, that down the road I could have found more things to have, to have taken. Well, praise God, it never went that way. And so we think of the the correction that we receive. But there is one case, I say, when correction was not applied. How, what difference would it have made if when I got home, my, my dad would have took me out to the woodshed and took care of it? You know, I'd have got the message is you don't steal things. <laughs> and yet uh, the Holy Spirit took care of that where a parent failed in that. So when we look at this here, and he says, and you, and ye, he is saying to the Hebrews here, he says, ye have forgotten the exhortation. In other words, he's saying, you've forgotten the chastening of the Lord, how the Lord, he loves you, and he is going to chasten you, and he is going to work in your life, and he is going to be teaching and instructing you. He said, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And yes, we may have looked back at times with our parents and we might say, you know, they were unjust. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. But is there any time that we look at the Lord and say, Lord, that's not fair. And so we might think of the correction of the Lord. And so let's, now I've been speaking here a little bit on the parental discipline. As you know, parents discipline for obedience. They want us to, to obey. And we like that. Parents, you know what I mean. We've, all, we've had children. And you know, when we would discipline a child, we did it for their good. You know, as he says here in scripture about the discipline to the child, it said that the parents 
He said the fathers did it for, for their pleasure. Uh, verse 10 said for a, very, for a few days of chastening for us after their own pleasure. And you know, we, we as parents, we discipline children because we wanted them to learn to obey. We wanted them to follow instruction. We wanted them to do what they were told. You know, when we told Johnny to tow and take the trash out, we meant for Johnny to take the trash out. When we told Susie to pick up toys, we meant for Susie to pick up toys. And so if we come back and the trash hasn't been taken out and the toys hasn't been picked up, what do we do? Well, I guess since they didn't do it, we'll get things put away. No. We probably went back to Johnny and Susie and said, you know, I asked you to do something. I expected it to be done. Do it. Now, we might say they may not have heard the first time. But the second time, we might be a little more forceful and say, well, you do what you was told or else. And you come back and Johnny's still playing and Susie's done forgot the toys. What do you do? At that point, maybe before that point, you might take Johnny and Susie aside and says, you know, we have to do something here. You're going to have to be punished because you disobeyed and not listening. And yes, it's not the easiest thing to do. But you know, we do it. And then, you know, they'll run along and they'll pick up their toys and, you know, pretty soon they're happy. They're happy. Things were accomplished that you wanted. It says here they did for their own pleasure. In other words, they wanted peace. They wanted obedience. <clears throat> and we've seen how that works. And so the next time when you talk to Johnny or Susie to do something, it's done. Why? Because they remembered the discipline. And they also maybe remembered any instructions or, or instru uh, ed, uh, instructing that you might have gave, given at that time of why this needs to be done. And they understand it's to be done because they want us to obey. And you know, and I've heard it said that if we teach our children to obey at a young age and to, and to follow instruction and obey, then, you know, there's going to be other authorities over them. And what they have learned back here is going to benefit them then. And parents, I've heard it said that parents says the reason I corrected my child is to say he obeys me now. He will obey the authorities later. And we, we see that. Because a, a child that's undisciplined left to themselves and do what they want to do, we know the outcome of that too often. It's never pleasant. But when they follow that, and that's what he is saying here. And he says now, he says, you've forgotten he said, despise not the chastening of the Lord. So in other words, when the Lord is working in your life and mine, are we open to that instruction? Are we open to that discipline, as we can say? <clears throat> and so we want to look at what we are talking here of the, the chastening of the Lord, the discipline of the Lord, and how that is done. And so how does this come about? When he is speaking here, he said, you forgot the exhortation. But he said, for the, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. And, and I found that verse to be a little interesting. 
And, and, I, and, I, and I struggled with that verse a little bit. Because it says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. We know what chastening is. We say that's instruction. We say that's discipline. But what's scourging? Parents here. Fathers. Do you scourge your children? So I looked that word up because I, I, I knew what it meant. I was pretty sure I knew what it meant, but I looked it up because I want to know what does the Greek say and discourage. And we read about Jesus when he was at, there at, with Pilate, when Pilate turned Jesus over and to be crucified. It says he gave him a scourging. And this here is the same word. And that is to whip, to discipline, to flog. Now, I think this morning here, I don't know, parents, I hope you don't have a whip for your children. I hope you don't have a club to flog your children. But I want to ask you a question. You do have something that you can use, and do you ever use it? And it's called a belt. I've got a problem with that. Because I'll have to say, most of my discipline growing up was at the end of a belt. And that's not pleasant. I'm not saying it can never be used and should never be used. But, but I found it interesting that he says here that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. And I had to think about that. And that sounds harsh and that sounds cruel. But I had to think but with a loving God. There are sometimes maybe means that God has to work into our lives for us to get the message. And the Lord doesn't just give up. The Lord doesn't say, well, okay, you're taking your own way, son. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You do what you want to do. We have a loving father that says, I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to work with you. And sometimes it's not going to be pleasant. And we know that. I think we've all experienced that at some time or another in our lives. And we might think, okay, how has the Lord chastened me? How does the Lord chasten us? And, you know, I stand corrected here this morning that if I share something that is not correct, I mean, brethren, do, do come to me. <clears throat> but as we look at our lives and our lives for the Lord and we're living for the Lord and we want to serve the Lord, and yet maybe there's times that maybe we don't have that relationship with the Lord that we ought to have. Maybe we're taking our own way sometimes, and we want our own way, because we know children are that way. Children want their own way. And maybe there's times we don't like the correction of, of the parents, and we can say maybe sometimes we don't like the correction of the Lord. Maybe we might think, he's too harsh. But nonetheless, it says, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So how may, he, how may he do these things? And again, I, you know, if I say something wrong, brethren, I want, want to be corrected on it. <clears throat> you know, we can look around us and, you know, we heard about some storm damage down south, tornadoes, whatever. Is that the chastening of the Lord? Is he trying to get our attention? Does he bring things like that into our lives? 
Does he bring a sickness into our lives? An illness? A disease? Some things like that. Can that be the chastening of the Lord that he is working in our life so that we can get our minds set on him? And yes, we face physical sickness and things like that. But yet the Lord can use those things, I believe, to get our attention. And he might allow these things into our lives so that we are looking to him. And we might be saying, Lord, what are you wanting me to learn from this? What is it that I need to learn? And yes, there are sometimes I believe that a person may be getting away from the Lord and the Lord might bring a drastic measure of some kind into his life. And you can read accounts, and I don't have one here this morning. There's one kind of floating through my mind right now. But of someone that was in a car accident and lost a leg. But their thing was, they was going their own way, they was doing their own thing, but when that happened, it brought them back to the Lord. Can we call that the chastening of the Lord? And you know, we can find these things not to be pleasant. He gives his Holy Spirit to work in our lives. He gives us the Spirit. And, you know, I give the, the example there in my own life that, it, you know, when, at the age of 19, I finally felt like, you know, I need to make something right. And I believe that was the chastening of the Lord. That was the work of the Spirit in my life that I knew I had something that I needed to take care of. And, and other people can give examples of that, that how the Lord impressed upon them and worked in their lives. And it wasn't always comfortable and it wasn't always easy. And then also, when we look into God's word, we read God's word. Do we find things in there at times that instructs us, that teaches us, that maybe what we're doing, the way we're living, and we realize in God's word, maybe I'm not doing right. Maybe I'm not doing as much as I should. But we read his word and, and his word is speaking to us. And I believe that is another way the, the, the Lord is, is uh, chastening us. And that is through his word, when it speaks to our needs, that we need to give ourselves totally to him. Because his word will bring conviction. His word will work in our hearts. And you know, have you ever been reading the word and you come across something? And you, you start meditating on it and you start realizing that maybe you're not measuring up to that. And yet you kind of let it go. But then sometime later, you either hear it or you read it again. And you can just tell there's, I don't want to say a nagging, but in a sense, there's a nagging. It's like the spirit saying, can't you hear? Can't you hear? I don't know if that's happened to you or not, but brother, I want to tell you something. Yeah, this preacher gets it. And you want to set up and listen. Because if the Spirit is there to be correcting and to be chastening you or I to bring him back into the relationship. And I think that's what he is saying here to, to these that he is writing to here. He says, you know, that chastening may not be, seem to be joyous at the time. But he says it's going to yield, it's going to yield fruit. It's going to yield an end result. And so we can just go on through the scripture here. 
And he says, and if you endure chastening, God deals with you as, as with sons. <clears throat> For what son is he that whom the father chasteneth not? You know, it, it, and it comes down, it comes down very harshly. And it says that if he doesn't receive instruction, if he doesn't want to hear, and if he's not being directed by a parent, he says he's, he's, he's just like a bastard. Look that word up and see what it is. An illegitimate child, in other words. And he says, you know, that's the way you would be. But he says that God doesn't want you that way because you're his children. And so he goes on into the fathers again, and I won't elaborate on that. We've already talked about that. And yes, we get on down and no chastening seems to, for the present seems to be joyous. You know, from the parents it wasn't joyous. At times with the Lord working in our hearts in some way or another, it doesn't seem to be joyous. It seems to be painful. But then he says, but then he goes on to say, but he said, nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. And so maybe we've went through some hardship of some kind. And it doesn't just have to be financial. You know, a lot of times we talk hardship, first thing people like to think about is all financial. So, you know, if I'm not making what I should and I'm struggling, it's, you know, the Lord's chasing me. Well, maybe the Lord can be using that. But it, there's more than that, not just in the financial way. It can be in other physical ways, and I give some of those examples. And that the Lord might be getting, wanting our attention and trying to be teaching us something. But once it's, once it's caught, once what's being taught is caught, it says, then it brings about the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Those that are practicing it, those that are doing it. And we know that, that when we come to the place where we finally yield ourselves to God and we say, okay, God, you know, I've, I've, I've took this beating about long enough and I'm willing to give in and joyfully give in, we can see just how it works in our lives. Have we experienced that? Have you and I experienced that, that what the Lord has worked in our lives, that when we finally come to where we are yielded, the peace that we receive, the peace that others can receive? And then it goes on to say, wherefore, and I think this still goes back to these verses, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. In other words, you know, maybe when you were being disobedient, when you were being dealt with and, 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 and in a sense maybe discouraged, it's, it's just like, you know, just kind of droopy, discouraged. It says, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees that make the, make, uh, and, you know, make the path straight in, in your feet. And, and I just got the picture there that says, you know, after correction... After you felt down about it and after these corrections, he's saying now, he says, just lift up those hands that hang down now. He said, get a life to you. Get a move on you. Pick it up. Straighten up your legs. Straighten up your feet. Follow the straight paths. And, and you know how it is. When we went through correction like that, and it says, and, and, then, and rather let it be healed. And so when we've went through that and we have finally come to the realization, you know, what the Lord is wanting me to do, what the Lord has revealed to me and corrected me with, you know, the peace that comes, it says about uh, the, uh, the fruit of, of the peaceable fruit of righteousness. 
You know, when we come submitted and we accept that correction, you know, we can just we can just rise above that then. We can just pick ourselves up and and and, and get to making them paths straight then. And just the peace that floods our hearts and our souls when we know that, you know, yes, the correction wasn't pleasant. But the peace that I have found afterwards. And you know, and I think that's the same way it works with our children. You know, how many times, parents, have you corrected a child that after it's done, they come around and they still hug you? You got through to that child. They understand. And that's the same way it is with us, with our Heavenly Father. That when we see this correction is only for our good. And if we look at it as instruction and teaching, that when we look into God's word and we see what God wants for us from his word and we apply it to our lives, the peace that we will have from that time on. And we continue in that word. And what he has for us, because we will find those instructions and teaching throughout the scripture. And if we allow the spirit then to work in our life, even if it means what we would call a chastening, something that would not seem to be pleasant. That in the end, we will see the end results and knowing that the peace that we can have. The peace that we can have in the Lord Jesus far surpasses far surpasses what we think that we could have gained if we could just be left on our own. So let's remember those things here this morning. Again, uh, as the Lord directed the message, may it work in our hearts this morning for where the need would be, for I know through it in the study of it myself, the Lord showed me places that where, you know, maybe he is still applying some correction. I don't know that he's got to the flogging part but may I be open to it if he brings something that drastic that is for my own good you know as Jesus as he looked at what he was going to face and he said for the joy that was set before him he wasn't worried about the shame and the disgrace and the pain and for us I don't think we need to think well but what pains, what, what's God going to ask? What the pain I've got to endure? Don't worry about it. In the end, there is joy and peace to be had in the correction of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your attention. Let's call for a song.